0: Thank you for choosing iChurch Sermon Podcast. We invite you to get ready, get ready, get ready for what God has to say to you today. Um yeah, we're going to I'm just going to teach now. Everybody's like, what do we do now? <laughs> All right, guys, you know I I really believe in obeying what the Holy Spirit says and what God tells us to do. I really believe in that strongly. Today, we're ending a series, and, and what just happened now has nothing to do with the sermon. Here comes the second sermon, okay? Um, there's, there's, we're at the end of a series called I Love My Church, and if you're visiting us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. If this is what you call home, I'm glad you're back. Um, today, I want to do something with you guys. I want to teach you something that's been, it's been on my heart for quite a while now, and I'm going to be very brief on it. Um, uh, but before I go into that, if you're here and, and in that part that just came a minute ago, you said, Pastor, I really felt God was giving that to me. Um, let me explain something to you. Um, there is nothing you could do in this world ever, 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 and be completely satisfied and successful or feel complete unless you do it in the presence of the obedience of what God tells you to do. And I want you to grab that lesson and make it yours, and say, God, you know what? I want to learn to walk in Your Spirit. I want to learn to walk in Your presence, because. And the reason I share this before I go into today's teaching is because in all my life, that I've, I've been. It's been. It's almost like a life. My life has passed me by in the last days. I don't know if I'm getting emotional. I don't know what's happening to me. I know that God's really breaking me. I really believe it's prayer. I've been dedicating a lot of time to prayer, and prayer brings you close to. And, and in that process, I've been thinking about my life and thinking, wow, God, everything that has ever made me really, really, really happy, I know has come from you and ordered through you, and I have been in obedience to you. So with God, everything without God, nothing. Now, having said that, um, I, I want to teach this last sermon of I Love My Church, um, and I want to talk about greatness. I want to talk about greatness today. Um, and the way I want to talk about greatness is I want to give you guys a test, all right? We're going to do a test, all right, with the test. Everybody's taking a test today. If you're new, you're like, I don't want to take a test. Well, you're taking it anyway. You walk into the building, okay? Here we go. I'm going to give you a test, all right? And um, uh, the test I'm going to give you is um, I'm going to give you a word, and you, I want you to tell me what they do or how it works, okay? You're going to relate it. Um, uh, for example, let me give you – let me start this off. Uh, let me see if I get the right order. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, uh, I tell you who he is and you tell me what he does. There we go. A baker bakes. All right. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Some of you had no idea what to say. Okay. All right. Let's go another one. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. A painter. There you go. All right. Now I got about 80% of you. Okay. Let me give you another one. Let me go to that. All right. A farmer. There you go. And I got 90%. Come on, guys. The last one. Everybody. Come on. A builder. There we go. Give yourself a round of applause. You guys are very brilliant people. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you are, you are diminishing my l- level of intelligence. No, listen, listen, we know. This. Now here's a question for you. Now here's a question for you. I- I- if a baker bakes and a painter paints and a farmer farms and a builder builds, it's pretty obvious, right? Let's go back to it again. If a baker bakes, we know all bakers bake. If you don't bake, then you're not a baker, right? If the guy doesn't bake, then he's not a baker. If a painter doesn't paint, then he's not a painter. If a farmer doesn't farm, then he's not a farmer. If a builder doesn't build, then he's not a builder. So a, again, a baker bakes, a painter paints. a farmer farms, a builder builds. Are you a Christian? A baker bakes, a painter paints, a farmer farms, a builder builds, a Christian. Isn't that amazing how we all know what a farmer does, we all know what a builder does, we all know what a painter does, and a Christian, which is what we are. Imagine a baker who doesn't know what to do. Imagine a farm who doesn't know what to do. Imagine a builder who doesn't know what to do. you never hire a builder who doesn't know what to do. If you're a Christian, a Christian Christianizes. Think about it. A baker bakes, a painter paints, a farmer farms, a builder builds, a Christian Christianizes. Now, if you cop out and you say, if a Christian follows Christ, yes, and a baker makes a lot of things. But if you put it in relation to what they do, that's what they do. It's not a forceful Christianization, but if they Christianize, that's what they do. So if you are a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, then you're supposed to be able to fulfill the Christian duty. And what is the Christian duty to Christianize? Pastor, what if I don't Christianize? Well, what happens if a baker doesn't bake? He's not a baker. <laughs> If, a, if, if, if you hire a painter and you bring him to your house and you say, hey, I want you to paint my house and the guy comes in, he says, great, I'm going to charge you 800 bucks. And he says, okay, yeah, for this room, 800 bucks. And he's gonna stand there and he says, yeah, and I'll put the trim in. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. And you say, okay, then start painting. Oh, oh, no, no, I, I, I don't paint. How many of you would hire this person? And here's my question. When a Christian walks into the room, if he does not Christianize, is he useful? He doesn't. But here's the big thing. We normally don't know what Christianizing means. We don't understand the concept. We don't follow it. We don't do it. We don't obey it. So I want to talk to you today about Christianization. And I'm not talking about a forceful Christianization with the Crusades and in, in the medieval times. I'm talking about, about what it means today. To Christianize. Now, now before I do that, I want to stop a second. I want to take a break. And that's that's... that's that's, that's sermon, that sermon that piece of the sermon I want to leave there. And I wanna drop a second. I wanna change totally atmosphere. I wanna change everything. Um, Josué said as he was walking over here today, he turned on the heater and 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 it was nice and warm and everything like that. I enjoyed last night. Last night it was cool because I, um, we we were all watching movies and we were all cuddled up and 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 it was cold outside. And I didn't tell my family, but I turned on the AC and made it colder. And yeah, and um and my family just knew it was cold, but they were they were like, oh, it's really cold. Oh, the rain is really cold. It was probably like 73 outside. In My house it was like 65, you know. But they didn't know that. They just heard the rain. So I, I'm. Playing with their minds and Pastor, why'd you do that? Because I'm a liar and a cheater. Um, I, no, I did that because I love family meetings and I wanted everybody in, so everybody stayed in. And then my wife has this big, um, uh, this big hamper in our in our living room or whatever you call it, chest or whatever. And when you open up, it's full of all these warm blankies, So everybody grabbed a blanket and we turned on a movie and and everybody's just huddled up and everybody's cuddled up together and you know. So I made it really cold and 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 I thought about that family wonderful atmosphere and I want to do something with you guys like that way. So what we're going to do is the follow. Here's what we're going to do. do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop my sermon for a second, and I'm going to turn to you guys, and I'm going to give you guys an illustration. I'm going to tell you guys a story. But you can't tell a story unless you create a story atmosphere. So I'm going to ask production to help me, and we're going to create the story atmosphere. Okay, we're going to dim the lights. We're going to put on music. We're going to turn on a campfire. Pretty cool, right? <laughs> now Watch watch i got the best production team ever watch now now i want to tell you a story okay i'm going to tell you a story now now watch my my volume and the music back there guys i want to tell you a story there's a story of two two women there was this one woman and her child and this woman and her child uh they were going on a trip and what they did was the following this woman went on a trip with her husband And I mean, she was going without her husband and she told this woman went out and this woman said, to her husband, I'm going on a trip with my son because we don't spend enough time together. So they went on the trip together and they went on this journey together. And as they went on the journey together, they went to the airport and this woman, the first woman, she had a son and her son's name was John. John was about 6 years old watch the volume of the music and she has a son called John and John is like, like a 6 year old and, 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 and John was just you know when they're 6 they're just curious about everything and asking all these questions and, and John was asking all these questions and, and mama, mama, mama are we really going to spend time mom was a hard working mother But here she was with John at the airport, and she's saying, no, I'm going to spend time with you because I know I work a lot. Mom, are you really not going to work? No, I'm not going to work. I'm going to spend time with you. We're going to be together, and it's going to be wonderful. We're going to have a great time together. So so, so John was just ecstatic. He was excited about the trip. He was excited about what they were going to do. So there was John at the airport with mama. Now they're sitting at the airport, and across from them, they see the second woman. Now, the second woman was standing there with her children. And she's standing there. And this woman was also a mom about the same age as John's mom. But this mom sat there with her little girl. Her little girl's name was Mary. And Mary was just playing with mom. And they were very close. And and Mary's mom was holding Mary. Just holding her there and cuddling her at one point while they're waiting for the call of the gate little Mary and little John ran off and they're playing together and, and as they're playing together and they're together they're playing and, 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 and one mom looks over at the other mom and says is that your only child? the first mom says to the second mom yes that is my only child his name is john how old is your daughter and the woman answers back he's six and she says my boy's six too how old are you and she says me i'm 45 she says how about you She says, i'm 45 also so they had the same age same age of children it was just beautiful then she says do you spend a lot of time I'm a stay at home mom and the other one says no I wish I was but I have to work for the finances but I took this time out because I wanted to spend time with my son so we're having just this wonderful time together and then she says, oh, great. Then all of a sudden, the little girl comes back running, crying. Mary comes back running, crying. Oh, mama, mama, mama. She falls into the hands of her mom. And you know there's no better place than mom's hands. Mom just cuddled her and said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she was trembling and scared. She said, oh, mama, mama, mama. The first mom turns over to John and says, John, what did you do? And John says, mom, I did nothing. I did nothing, mom. I then we were playing hide and seek. And then... Mary answers, no, no, no. The mother says, no, no. It's just that Mary is afraid of the dark. That's all. It's okay. Nothing happens. Oh, mom, I hate being in the dark. I hate being in the dark. I'm so scared. She she hugged her and said, don't worry. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. She just cuddled her head and said, it's going to be okay. And Mary just entered in this sense of peace in mom's hand as your mother embraced her and said, it's going to be okay. Even in the dark, it's going to be okay. And Mary was still. On the other end, John and his mom got on the plane, and so did Mary and her, and her mom, and they all got on the plane, and they actually sat across from each other. What a coincidence. So there they are on the plane sitting across from each other. Sitting across from each other, the plane takes off. About an hour and 40 minutes on the plane ride, they asked to buckle their seatbelts. And the plane starts trotting and going up and down. It just starts going up and down. And as it's going up and down, all of a sudden, the pilot says, Ladies and gentlemen, we ask you to embrace yourself. And the mask come down. And he says, we ask you to embrace at this moment we understand we'll have a crash landing so everybody holds on and there's this mom holding on with with everything she can to her son john she's holding on to him at the other end you see mary she takes her daughter and she holds her like this she just embraces her and holds her like this she holds her she, she cuddles onto her and the The plane starts throbbling and the plane starts going down. All of a sudden, it hits a grasp of wind and it falls down. And they start going down and down and down and down. And the plane crashes. The plane lands on this deserted island. And there's fire all over the place. People are screaming. Dead bodies all over the place on the beachside at that moment one mom looks over and she doesn't see John she sees Mary but she doesn't see Mary's mom she looks for John and she doesn't know where John is and freaking out like any mom would I don't know if you've ever lost your child for a couple of seconds it just drives you crazy you feel, you feel five minutes an eternity she starts looking for John. She hops out of her seat of the broken airplane, and when she goes onto the beachside, she looks over, and there he is. There he is. It's John. He's laying in the water, floating. She runs and she grabs John's body, and she turns it over, and John is dead. Her little six year old son is dead from a far distance she hears a little child crying she turns over to find little Mary the six year old daughter of the second mom holding on to her mom was all driven in blood saying mama wake up mama wake up mama wake up mama wake up and she's trying to wake her up but she can't mother is dead the day went through And the night went through. And that night, when everything was difficult, and the few survivors got together in hope that somebody would rescue them, there was this grief of loss. The sun came down, and it started getting dark. Now, John's mother kept on looking at little six-year-old Mary, scared to death. Everybody's scattered trying to find help. And the only two people left are John's mom and little Mary. John's mom is sitting by the beachside as she sees her son's body drift away, floating in the water. In despair and frightened, John's mom decides to grab a piece of the wing. And she holds on to this piece of the wing. And, and she's searching in the airplane. She just goes around trying to search and see what she could find. And searching all over the place, she finds two things that she finds very useful. One of them, she finds this little piece of, of it's, it's kind of a, of a piece of metal shed. And she has it and she sets it up and, and, and she, just, she just sets it up in that place. And then she, 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 she goes over to Mary and Mary's trembling. A little six-year-old daughter, I don't know if you have a six-year-old or you can remember when your child was six or, or if you have a brother or sister that age, but, but little Mary is it, 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 just sitting there trembling in fear. She's trembling in fear because she knows it's getting dark and there's no lights and she doesn't know what to do. So little Mary, six-year-old little tiny girl, is trembling and trembling and trembling and the mom of John looks over at her with compassion and says poor little girl I lost my son but she lost her mom she starts thinking about how long it will take for survival it's getting darker and darker there's not many skies in heaven and it gets just pitch black the moon is only one quarter of a moon so you could barely see light on the floor so she comes over and as it got really 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 dark there was almost no light in the area. She finds the mom finds a candle inside one of the suitcases. She looks at Mary, at the little six-year-old girl. She looks at her light. She says, "This is all I got." What if it takes too long for them to come and rescue me? So she grabs her light and the mom decides to hide where Mary can't see her. She doesn't want to share. What if what if the little girl turns out the light? What if the little girl just blows on it? What if what if what if what if she touches it? What if she loses it? What if she walks off? So she takes this great discovered thing hides she could hear the little girl sobbing from a distance and crying and she just keeps on looking over and hoping that the little girl will will shut up I mean she feels sorry for her but she just just wishes she would shut up for a minute I I also lost a son and she's just wishing that the little girl would shut up but the girl keeps on sobbing (laughs) She she, 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 would shut up. She's hiding there. And the little girl says, Mommy, I'm afraid of the dark. And here is this woman. The night went by. She stopped hearing the sobbing. And in the morning, the sun came up and it got bright again. See, at that point, there was no need for the light. So she turned it off. And curious, she walks out and sees the little girl is not there anymore. To her surprise, when she walks out, she sees another survivor. And there's like four or five of them standing by the beachside. They're looking out to the water she says maybe it's hope maybe somebody came and when she goes there she found a great element of surprise she found that they all turned to her and she asked what is it is it help is somebody on the way and they say no we heard last night this little girl crying she went crying for her mommy and it was so dark she ran straight into the water and here she is and there's a little girl floating in the water and she's also dead why would you tell us something as cruel as that? Why would you stop church and make up a whole... Where'd you read that, Pastor? Nowhere. I'm the author of it. Pastor, why would you make up such a miserable story like that? Because there's nothing worse than a selfish person. There's nothing worse. You look at this woman and she looks so Why in the world, why in the world would somebody have something as great as hope in the middle of darkness with just a little bit of light and not be willing to share it with somebody in pain, with another child? doesn't make any sense. It's just not right. Nobody would be that selfish. Nobody would be so... You guys can't even conceive in your mind why this stupid woman would be such an idiot that she wouldn't even share. Like the little girl would consume her light. Like she would run out of it. You know, Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew chapter 5 um, just comes out of a phase where he's, he, he was unknown but he was building his public ministry and now he became popular in the book of Matthew chapter 4 at the very beginning the Bible says that, that, that Jesus Christ became popular and famous amongst him and the Bible says that he walked out and there were crowds around him and there were people like Mary that came close to him and as he looked out and he saw them the Bible says that he had compassion for them so he went up into the mountain and he sat at the mountain, his disciples came to him and he starts executing one of the greatest executed sermons in history. There has never been a sermon better spoken before this and there will never be one after this. Maybe when we're before the presence of the God Almighty and we're standing before him, maybe at that point we'll be able to see something greater than this. But there is no bigger discernment or discussion or exegetical exposition of the Bible ever than this moment where Jesus Christ stands and gives a sermon of the mount. At the sermon of the mount, he starts sharing with them what the kingdom of heaven would be like. He starts sharing with them what it's similar. He gives them a grasp, and him having compassion over the multitude, sitting at the mountain, in chapter five, verse in, in chapter five, he starts, and he did and in the verse one he says that Jesus was teaching. And as he was teaching, he taught the following. Let's learn a little from this sermon. Pastor, this doesn't connect. I know, just follow me. In verse 3, he starts talking about the poor, and he talks about the poor people. And he looks at his disciples and he says, the poor people. There are poor people. In verse 4, he doesn't just talk about the four poor people. But in verse 4, he continues to talk about other people in need. And he talks about those that are mourning. He talks about those that need comfort. He talks about those that are crying. When he says there are people that are mourning. And then in verse 5, he talks about the meek. And you may ask, Pastor, what's the meek? It's the humble people. It's the simple people. He says they are simple people. In verse, in verse 5, he talks about how they are, they are they're humble people. So he talks about the poor and the crying and the humble and the weak. And then in verse 6, he starts talking about the hungry people. He says there are people that hunger. So he doesn't just talk about Jesus Christ is bringing one of the best sermons in history and he talks about the poor and the crying and the humble and the hungry then in verse 7 as he stands in the, at the mountain and he's looking at his disciples he's training them and he's explaining to them how to be powerful and how to be great and he talks about the poor and the mourning and the meek and the hungry and he says in verse 7 blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy he says blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy if you show mercy, you will receive mercy. I'm going to repeat that. If you show mercy, you will receive mercy. He says there are poor people, there are hungry people, there are crying people, and I'm going to bless them all. But if you're none of those, if you take care of them, I will take care of you, Jesus says. He's telling him how to be powerful. Then if you jump down because of time, I don't want to consume too much of it. Verse 14, Jesus gives an illustration to explain about the needy and about helping the needy. And in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. He says, you can't, you can't hide a light. You can't hide it. Either you are the light or you're not. And in verse 15, he says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. Who, in their right mind, would be light and not share it with others? Who would do such a thing? Who would, who would find a treasure... Who, 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 would be, who would be so cruel? Who would be so cruel to have found great sermons, good worship, the presence of God? Who would be so cruel to have found a place of refuge and a place of strength? Who would be so cruel to have found a, a, a place? Who would do that? And after finding it, see other children in need. And hide it. Oh. People who won't obey the Great Commission. Every time I think about everything God's done in my life and why I've done it, I have one thing in my mind. You know, today you guys didn't notice it, but the guy may have not noticed it, but there was this weird guy that none of you have ever seen that was playing guitar here in the corner. And you're like, who is that guy? We don't even know who he is. Does he come to this church pastor? We don't know who he is. Well, truth is, most of you will not know who he is because he's visiting from Puerto Rico. He's a friend of Justin Chino and he was actually one of his good buddies back there and there was a church where pastor in Puerto Rico. He came to the church in my last years there and I haven't had much of his development, but, he's, but God has been developing him and making him grow and he stands there um, this is what comes to my mind. I was in Puerto Rico last week and I was preaching and the crowd was there. He was there. We had, I think, over 400 people at the altar crying and being ministered over. And it just, we had to minister for, I think, over 40 minutes at the altar because we didn't, we couldn't get through everybody that had this need and this openness. And pastor, where are you going with all this? Where I'm going is that as he's playing the first thing that ran through my mind, and I'm going to be totally sincere and transparent just so you guys know how corrupted and how cruel and how bad I am. I want you to see me. I don't want want to try to be holier than that. I want you guys to see the real pastor and his needs and his mistakes that he's playing the first thing that runs through my mind is is the first thing that ran through my mind was oh man um I wonder if that song is going to be good I wonder if it's going to sound okay and um Mike the, the song you guys were rehearsing in the back in the warehouse what song was that the second one or the last one the second one and as they were singing it, they were back there. And I, th- I think, I think, I think it was, I think Nelly was in that group. I think, I, I don't know if I could tell her from a distance. And all the singers were back there, Mike singing. And here's the problem. Mike's our worship leader at the 4 o'clock service. And the 4 o'clock service is going to be kicking in here. It's going to be crazy. But the morning service, we tend to mellow it down a little. But Mike is not our worship leader permanently. He's in here because I've asked him to come in because I have been Mike's, pretty much spiritual father in his journey of ministry. And I've asked him to come in because Keith, another brother who was up here playing the bass, um, he was leading it. But I think that Keith does a great job and he could pull it off. But I really think that Keith is held back. I really think Keith is like a nine and lives his life like a two. Pastor, he might walk out of the church after today. I don't care if he walks out of the church. He could walk out of the church and hate me. I don't play pastoral games. I tell you, if you suck, I tell you, you suck. If you're great, I tell you, you're great. But I'm going to help you receive the excellence of what God has for you. I'm not going to lose your time. If you sit in this building and you're not transformed within a year, you should walk out on me because I have done nothing for you see I am not here to be an employee to the church I'm here sent by God to help you be everything God called you to be and if I don't fulfill that I'm gonna have to respond to God so I tell Keith Keith I want you to step down I'm not upset because he was playing today. I'm actually happy to hear him it made me feel good to see him up here but I have him out there because he's going to be the problem solver I think he has the I think he has this this iceberg attitude to deal I think there could be fire going on and the buildings burning and everything he'll look at it and say you do this you do this I just think he has this administrative ability to put in order, something that's not, 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 For God in greatness outside of what he's doing. So I bring Mike in, and Mike comes in, and he takes over the praise. These are the things you guys don't see. And behind the scene, now the praise team loves Keith, you know, and they just got used to Keith, and now Mike's coming in. He's the four o'clock guy. Come on. He's the crazy jump up and down, four o'clock, young United guy. He's going to come in. He's going to mess us up. We got something good rolling here. And he's going to change his style because each leader is different. He's going to have his own uniqueness, and Keith's going to have his own uniqueness and it's going to be difficult, and they're here, and there's just a transition, and it's pouring outside, and you guys were supposed to stay home today. I don't know what's wrong with you. It's raining, but see, it, what happens is in i church, it, it, it always happens. Josue always tells me that. Every time it rains, I tell Josue, a 10 days, it says, you crazy high churchers, it rains, and you get more people in church than ever before. To us, it works backwards. I don't know why. I don't know what it is, but it rains, and more people come to church. It just fills up every time we have it, and, and here's, here's the thing about it. As it's going on, I'm looking at Emmanuel. That's the guy's name. It's and Emmanuel's and, and standing here. He's quiet. And he's not a quiet guy. He, he's a naughty guy. But he's humble. And he's being here quiet. I'm looking at it. And the first thing that ran through my mind is, okay, attendance, people just came back from Puerto Rico. He's going back. I got Mike there. I got Mike's new. The team's there. They haven't adjusted yet. They're still learning to be a family. I think it's getting better. But there's still some way to go. And then all of a sudden, Jenny sings. And, and, and here's the thing with Jenny. And Jenny, don't get offended by this. I, when you, the, you guys are going to see. I'm prophesying. You guys are going to see Jenny Hudson. And her husband grow spiritually to a maturity level within the next five years that you guys would have never imagined you guys are going to see their leadership execute not on a human level leadership but rather on a spiritual level leadership they will minister like they never imagined before god just setting this couple up and and i know god's doing that but in the meanwhile god has jenny here and she sings and jenny is probably one of not the best voices we have in our church compared to all the other services, but there's something peculiar about jenny is when she worships she really brings it from deep down inside it just comes from here i can't explain it i'm not saying the other worshipers don't i'm just saying that every single time she'll she could be upset and when the song comes she'll break herself into that worship song but she's not the best and i'm standing here and here's emmanuel and here's my carnal thought pastor you're way off the sermon bear with me here's my thought I'm sitting there and I look at it and I'm going off to prayer and I'm saying oh Mike that was a bad selection you got Emmanuel there that's going to be a bad example for him to take back and you guys say pastor so you're trying to show off yeah I was trying to show off and here's the thing about it. See, what many of you don't understand is that God gave me the privilege to oversee seven different pastors in four different countries. And there were over 14. At one point, there were actually 27 pastors and ministers that I oversaw. And I've ordained to ministry a total of 79. So I've always been a pastor to pastors. And this kid, Emmanuel wants to be a pastor. And I don't want him to get on the wrong foot. And I don't. I want him to be impulsed. So, yeah, I kind of want to show off iChurch. I'm an iChurch show off, I admit it. And, and it's in me. And I, and I have this in me and I walk away and I go back and I'm worried about attendance and I'm worried about all this. Pastor, where are you going? I'm almost done. I'm almost done with my sermon. And I go into my prayer room and as I go into my prayer room and I go before the Lord, I'm looking at everything. I'm trying to concentrate. I'm ADD, so I wear those airport um, muffle things on their ear. I ha- I literally have them, and I wear them because I have to concentrate because I get distracted by any little sound I hear. So I'm trying to do that. It doesn't work. I put my noise-canceling Sony um, uh, equipment on. And I put that on. I cancel the noise, and I put, I put classical music or instrumental music. I'm trying to concentrate, and I can. And our sound guy Wayne today is sick, and our campus leader Sheldon, he had already told us that he was out this week. And then we, we and then I have my my core. My, I say they are the crutches under my arms, but I have. Bruce on this side and Sandy on this side, and they were on vacation. I didn't know if they were coming back. So we're short-staffed. We're short. We got, I think we have the wrong selections of songs. I'm looking at this kid. I'm looking at the building. I'm looking at the rain. I'm all overwhelmed, and I go to pray, and then, when, when, then, and then it hits me. It hits me. I'm going to teach you a lesson. If you didn't catch it, man, you you really got to start coming to this church. But, But the lesson is you would find this woman so selfish because she's hiding the light that she found and she won't share it with her, with this daughter of another person. Have you ever thought that we're all children of God and because we're all children of God, there are thousands of children of God out there crying because they have lost something or because they are hurting somewhere or because they need hope? And they have nowhere to find that light, and you found iChurch, and iChurch became that light, and it's a place you come and you receive the word, and it's solid, and you love this church. Do you know what our statistics are? Let me share some statistics. Oh, I left my phone. Let me share some statistics off the top of my head. I got them yesterday from our administrator. I asked for some statistics. July 14th, we baptized a group of people. Do you remember how many there were, Karen, that we baptized? We baptized a group of people, and after we baptized, July, the end of July, end of July... August, September, three months, tonight at four o'clock, at five o'clock, and I invite you all to come back at five o'clock. We're going to go into this building behind here, and we have a pool set up there, and we are going to accept 41 new members to iChurch in three months and a half. Now, now wait, we're not just going to accept 41 new members, but we're actually going to baptize 27 of them that are going to accept Jesus, have accepted Jesus Christ for the first time in their life, and they're going to the waters. See, now it's great, all 41, don't get me wrong, but 27 people that have surrendered to Jesus Christ. Now, here's a statistic for you. We only received 112 visitors in the whole month. So, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that. Two out of four people that walk into this building approximately stay in I church. Pastor, what are you saying? That for every four people that you get through the walls to come into this building, two of them decide to make this home in one of our three services. Pretty soon in one of our four services. your pastor, so you still miss two. Yeah, but you know what the problem is? It normally is one out of every 500 people in a church tend to stay. So if you get two out of four, you're saying 250 out of 500. Pastor, where are you going? You have it. Are you showing it? You have it. It may not be your child, but I promise you, it's someone's child out there. It's someone's child that's out there. And I'm trying not to get emotional here because this is what happens in my life. When I'm standing back there and I'm praying and I think about everything I've given up in my life to serve Christ and I ask myself, God, why do I do it? It's not about the number. It's not even about the growth. It's not about the money. It's not about the fame. I do it because somebody's child is missing. Somebody's child is hurting. Somebody knows God and has an emptiness inside of them. And the reason I started iChurch was because in my heart, I knew that somebody could change their life radically for God and live everything God called them to be. Pastor, you tied everything in. We understand it, but we still don't understand the praise team. In my egotistical boastfulness, full of pride, as I sit in my office and I wonder about how I can impress or how many people will show up to church or what the number looks like there's only one thing that ran through my mind and it's these four little singers singing in the corner of the warehouse and as they sang the song I was praying and I heard it and I got up and I stood by the door and I looked at Nelly and I looked at Jenny and I looked at Justin and I looked at Victoria and I said God and I looked at Mike singing with them and there was no sound and no lights They were just standing in the back of a warehouse, and they were singing. And one thing ran through my mind. I'll do it again if you send me to, Lord. I'll do it again. If I could give one person a little bit of light, if I could help one person find their ministry, if I could help one person be everything God called them to be, even if it's not my son, I'll do it. If I could help one person not drown away in the water and disappear, as I've seen some of my loved ones do it, I'll work hard towards it. If I could do it all over again, I would help people break bondage by inspiring them to come close to God. I would help people break bondage by inspiring them to come close to God. I would help people break bondage by inspiring them to come close to God. Helping people is what we do. We help people. We help people here. That's what we do. We help people, we help Dominican Republic we're going to help Puerto Rico, we help Mexico, we do it right here we're about to start a home, we're about to start a ministry to all the poor people in our community, we're about to kick it off in the next month, we have congregational care, we have ministries we're here as a church and we exist and numbers are important and we're going to grow, but the only reason numbers are important is because every number is a Mary, every number is a child afraid of the darkness that Satan has put in and looks around and sees no hope and there's moms hurting and there's dads hurting and there's youth hurting and there are people looking outside saying I don't know what I'm going to do and over here on this side behind this barrier there is a light that's been shining inside of you since you knew Jesus Christ as your savior and God called you to greatness but great people do great things. Bakers bake, painters paint, uh, farmers farm, builders build, Christians, Christianize because because what we do is we take the Christ we have found and that we know and that has healed us and we share our faith unexaggerated with all our hearts we knock down any barrier that surrounds us it's not about telling people to come to Jesus Christ and meet them as a savior it's about walking over to them and saying I know you're in the dark I know you're in a dark place right now I don't it's not always bright in my place either but I found the light and the light just brings comfort to me it a light that I want to share with you. It's a light that I want to bring you to. We all go through plane crashes. We all go through hard times. We all go through deaths. We all go through sad situations. We all go through marriages that are breaking. Somebody else is hurting exactly where you're hurting right now. I promise you in the name of Jesus, there is somebody at your work, at your school, at your house, in your neighborhood that's hurting in the same exact place you're hurting right now. And my passion with all my heart is to to tell those people come with me we all heard I lost a loved one too but I want you to know something what I want you to know and I want you to understand is that in the darkest of my times when there was no hope when I didn't know what to do you know even when I knew Christ my light was hiding behind the cloth it was hiding because I wouldn't share it but that has changed in my life now I go to a place where we help people inspiring them to break bondage and whatever's holding you back from being free Mary whatever will raise you up Mary to be the woman God called you to be you'll be greater than your mom and you know why because bakers bake painters paint bar- farmers farm builders build I am a Christian and I am telling you that Christ is the light of the world and he'll bring light in the middle of your darkness and he'll make you great so I will bring you the great commission how many believe God is a good and great God God, you are everything, everything to us, God, everything to us, everything to us, everything to us. Let your light shine. Now, 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 be seated, be seated just for a second, just for a second. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you because you guys just turned on lights when you stood up. Pastor, why? Because you've been sitting down too darn long. You've been sitting down too darn long. You guys are making the light shine when you show up on Sunday. You guys are already making the light shine when you praise and worship. You guys are making the light shine when when you say, God, I want to be part of this. Because every four people you bring in, two of them will stay. And I don't know about you, but if I were part of an organization, I'd like to be part of that organization. Out of every four people that I bring in, two will stay. And here's the funniest thing. The only service, the only service of all of our three services, the only service to retain over 50% was the 947 AM service. Over 50%. And if you're here and you're just visiting, you came the right day at the right time. You could stand by on the sidelines the rest of your life if you want to. But if you're a sideline player, I'll tell you something. Sooner or later, you're going to leave this church. We should change the name of the church to the Bold People Church. You got to be brave if you're coming in here. Why? Because I will challenge you to be everything God called you to be every single Sunday until the day I die. Because I am here with passion for people that love God and want to be more for God. I don't just want to sit on the sidelines and walk a, a, a vague, light life with Christ, obeying procedures and process. I want a I church of people that will do what you guys just did. You know, when we started this church um, three months ago, this service, you would have never thought that all of you would have stood up. And here's what it is. I guarantee you, when you guys stood up a minute ago, it was one person that stood up first. Guaranteed. Because that's all it takes. One person. Don't wait for the crowd. It takes one person to say, you know what? I'm stepping out of my darkness. It takes one person to say, I'm going to let my light shine. It takes one person to be great. Pastor, and how do I become great? Great people do great things like the Great Commission and share with others what their testimony in their life is about. And you know what you do? You don't, you don't, you don't think that the numbers. See, numbers and, and growth is important, but it's not as important as you know why numbers are important. It's because numbers are people. Numbers are you, you, you're, Pastor, what are you saying? Man, this is my terrible way of saying I love you. I love you. That, that, that's what it's all about. It's about me telling you. Some people start churches because it's a trend. Some people start churches because they just they're tired of their churches and they split. Some church, some people start churches for listen, the only reason this church is started was because we're gonna help people break bondage, inspiring them to come close to God. That's why we exist. And the reason I love my iChurch is because I know it's a place where I have light and I can share light around those that surround me. If you would like to learn more about iChurch OKA Ministries, please visit our website at www.ichurchoka.com.